Good, good morning. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, we dive into the Word of God here. Uh, the Lord has a message for us to build up our hope, strengthen us, to give us perseverance and focus. And um, not necessarily a message just to fathers. This is for all of us who are disciples of Jesus and Christ followers. We've been learning or gaining a God's eye view. God has been teaching us about His kingdom about what it looks like for Jesus to be king and leader of his church. We've been gaining a perspective. Can you imagine if you were to see the world, your life, yourself, world, the kingdom of God, and all of eternity from God's perspective? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, you probably wouldn't be worried, would you? <laughs> you think God's ever worried? No. <laughs> so we've been getting a perspective from God's perspective, God's kingdom or eternal perspective. And what we've been learning is that, number one, we've been learning that Jesus is alive, he's leading his church, and that he's building his church, making disciples, that his kingdom is here and now. When Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he brought his kingdom, and his kingdom is here, but his kingdom is not here in full. We talked about what that means, and, and the fact that, that his kingdom right now is increasing. As people come to Jesus, every time a person comes to the Lord, God's glory, his kingdom increases on the earth, and the Bible says that when Jesus returns, his kingdom will come in full. That's when he'll put away all evil. The Bible says anything that offends, anything that causes lawlessness, and he will put it away, and that he will come and he'll restore all things. He'll bring justice to this earth, and he'll reign on this earth as king over all the nations, king of kings and lord of lords. And we've been learning that one day he's coming back, one day he's going to restore all things, and the kingdom will come in full. But right now his kingdom's increasing. And so for a number of weeks, we talked about revival history, just because we were getting God's perspective on the fact that Jesus is leading and building his church. But we also, last week, we looked at the fact that we have an eternal reward or inheritance waiting for us when Jesus returns. That right now, he is calling us to be faithful to him. He is the master, he's the king, he's the Lord. He's calling us to be faithful to him. And one day, he's going to come and reward those who are faithful to him. Uh, I used to do, um, I used to work at, uh, or I used to volunteer at New Community when I first came to the church. I mean, I came to this church years and years ago, and uh, I was a student at the Bible college. I'd ride my bike in September. It was like, I remember it was really hot. I didn't have a car. I'd ride my bike from Life in San Dimas over to Glendora, and I, help clean the bathroom and fold the programs back in the day. And, uh, and then I started getting other friends to come who had cars, so that was really smart. But uh, we started calling it TGIF, thank God it's Friday, or thank God I'm folding, you know. We came up with lots of TGIF things. But uh, uh, I remember we would, we would serve. Well, in fact, uh, I was, we, when we moved to this school here, the bins outside, we had to paint them, and we spray-painted the carts. And it was raining outside, so we decided to spray paint the carts in the bins. That was a bad idea. With blue paint. We had, uh, we had blue right here where we breathed it in. A sign that something's not right in the lungs, right? Bad idea. Bad idea. Um, and so we would, we would serve. And there was, a, there was a pastor on staff named John Burgess, who's actually a pastor up north now. There's been a lot of church planters and pastors and missionaries that have come out of our church. And he used to always tell us, he'd say, the check's in the mail. 
The check's in the mail. He'd always joke around. You know, he'd say, oh, thanks for serving, guys. And uh, the check's in the mail. And it became a joke, you know, the check's in the mail. But the reality is, he's right. Every single thing we do, the check's in the mail. The Bible says that the Lord will reward our faithfulness. Everything that we do unto the Lord, that you do with a sincere heart, of course, if you do it to be seen by men, remember Jesus said, if you do it to be seen by men, that's your reward. That's all you get. That's not very good. That'll burn up when we get to heaven. But when you do something from your heart for the Lord, you just give anything to God, nothing you give to Him, nothing you sacrifice, He'll ever uh, uh, forget. And what's crazy is we do all those things by His grace, amen? It's all by His grace anyways. We love Him with the love that He put in our hearts for Him because by, we, He saved us by His grace, and yet He rewards the faithfulness He produces in us. It's amazing. And so... As I would serve the Lord in my young years and now, you know, fulfilling my calling as a pastor, I love it. The Lord sees that. Every time we seek Him, every time we pray, every time we lay things down, He sees that. He sees the faithfulness and He will reward. He will reward. The check's in the mail. You know, my son is extremely motivated by rewards. We found this out, oh, I don't know, what was he, about six months old? No, I'm joking around. Probably about more like maybe a year or a year and a half. We started realizing, and all kids are this way, but I don't know, my son is especially motivated by rewards. And so, I mean, if you tell him, you know, don't, even as a really little kid, don't touch that or this will be your consequence, he wouldn't touch it because he, he could just connect action to, to re- action to, to a consequence, right? Same thing with the reward. I mean, so even today, we don't, we don't give our kids an allowance, by the way. I don't believe in allowance. It's called an entitlement, right? I, I, we pay them for work. Sounds like real life, right? So, so, so my son has to, like, clean the windows and he does some other things. He can... Uh, vacuum and mow the lawn. Just joking, he doesn't mow the lawn. I was talking to a dad the other day. How, how young do you think my son could be when he could mow the lawn? Uh, I'm just going to try it. Every time he, he gets older, I'll just be like, try push it. And when he can push it, then we know. But um, so anyways, but he gets money. He gets money for, uh, he gets money for uh, doing work. And so nowadays he'll just, can I get money for this? You know, he'll, but he understands the value of work. He's super motivated by reward, but aren't we all? Aren't we all? We're all motivated by reward. You don't don't go to work for free, do you? You go to work for a paycheck, right? And I'll praise God again that this is by grace. We're not trying to earn anything from the Lord. You know, sometimes when you talk about our eternal reward, people either get fearful, like, oh no, Jesus isn't going to like me. Or they get like into works mode, like, I'm going to get another jewel on my crown or something like that. No, there's no, no jewels on the crown. The, the reward is all by grace. When you get to heaven, you're just going to say, oh, I don't deserve any of this, you know what I'm saying? I was just hoping I could make it in the door. But you're not just, you're not going to be on the, fri- I hate when people talk like that, by the way. I'm going to be on the outer fringe of heaven. Or, Ain't no outer fringe. You're in, okay? By the grace of God, Jesus died for you, purchased you with his blood. It's his righteousness. If you're in, you're in. And that eternal reality grips us. That eternal reality grips us. What we learned yes, last week is that when people disconnect from that eternal reality, they become unfaithful to the Lord. People, I'm telling you, sin, compromise, unfaithfulness, it's because we forgot. Not in our brain, but in our heart. You might, oh, I know I'm going to go to heaven. But people who are unfaithful to God, who are not fulfilling their calling, who are hiding, who are fearful, who have compromised, who are just, I, when I say sinning, I don't mean like you struggle. 
There's a difference between sincerely struggling. I'm talking about hiding it, compromising, and not confessing and repenting it, and seeking purity, seeking holiness. People who are just like, eh, you know, God will forgive me. Because we disconnect from our eternal reality, this eternal reality. But when we connect, when our hearts are connected, when the reality of, God, of Jesus' return and our reward in Christ is firmly fixed in our consciousness, every moment of every day, we live for that. Like a, th- think about it, you do this all the time. You ever prepare for a party? You ever prepare for a test? You ever prepare, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> he's shaking his head, get out of here. <laughs> think about it. We all understand how to go towards a goal. We might procrastinate, but think about it. Last week, we had a party at Emma's birthday party, the mother of all birthday parties. Just joking. I thought, <laughs> it was just like, oh, this is crazy. We had Emma's birthday party. Did we not clean and work and cook and prepare and decorate? You prepared for that event to make it special for her, right? Think about brides. Those of you who have been married or maybe you're going, you're going to be married. Ladies, when did you start preparing for your wedding day? Right when you were about like five, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the moment that you get engaged, women are like preparing, right? Do you, if you're a business owner, do you, do you just like, yeah, we'll have a grand opening one of these days. No, you set a date, you prepare, you get everything ready. When there's a grand opening, you've got something to give, Right? When, when you're an athlete, those of you who played sports, didn't you practice, practice, practice? I know you probably had your coach telling you to do so. I mean, we need that kind of discipline. But the coach making you prepare, prepare, prepare. Why? For that track meet, for that football game, for that basketball game. To, to win, right? When you see the reward, when you see the finished product at the end, you get ready, right? And this is what the Lord is calling us to, to be faithful here and now in light of that. When we see that we have an eternal reward, we get ready. We prepare. When we're connected to this reality, this is what causes us to endure through trials with joy, praising God, trusting Him, not grumbling and complaining. This is what causes people to endure uh, and say no to temptation. I mean, honestly, there's really only like one reason to say no to sin. He's better. Here and now, you can experience the pleasures of God now, when you say no to sin, but he, more than that, it's the fact that you want to please him and that you'll stand before him and give an account. The Bible says for every idle word. The Bible says he searches our hearts and our minds. He knows exactly the motives of our heart. It's not just doing the right things. That's religion. It's having the right kind of heart behind it. And he sees that. See, when you know that, it doesn't matter what anyone else sees, the deep cry of your heart, that you want to be pure in heart sincere in heart, holy in heart, loving in heart, because he sees, and you know he will reward. See, when you have that reality fixed before you, you can say, you know, I can endure through this trial. And when you have that reality fixed before you, you can say no to sin. See, what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to us about our eternal reward. I want to, I want to help you to see that the check's in the mail. I want you to understand how big that check is. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, 
the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, those first couple verses in the beginning were a little bit hard to understand. We won't even go into that today. But the point is that we know something that other people don't. In fact, I, I didn't read the last verse, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. See, the Word of God tells us what eternity will be. We know something that other people don't. The, what Paul's saying is that the, the rulers, the Pharisees, Pilate, if they understood the glory that God was preparing for us, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. Seriously, they're going to be kicking themselves. It's not even just the punishment of hell. I mean, you've got to understand here, the stakes are eternal, right? To reject Jesus and not be faithful to Him means eternity separated from God in everlasting torment. The Bible says, fire, torment. That's horrible. God, the Bible says, did not prepare anyone for that. The Bible makes it very clear that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for people. People will go there because of their stubborn obstinance and their rebellion against the Lord. It's a horrible thing, and it's not the will of God at all. So that's bad. But I'm telling you, people will be, the torment won't just be the hell, it'll be the fact that they'll realize what they could have had. They'll realize that God loves them, that Jesus paid the price. He's already made the cure available, and all we have to do is accept it by faith. Amen? And that he literally, listen, it says, prepared this, ordained for our glory. Now, we know, I mean, he'll get all the glory. He gets it all. But do you hear what it says? For our glory. And then did you notice what it says? No one even has comprehended. No one could fathom. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It's never even entered the heart of man. What God has prepared for those who love him. Prepared. Do you realize that God is literally preparing your inheritance, your reward? Jesus says this in John 14. I'm going to go away. I'm going to come back. But I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Do you realize that for 2,000 years he's been preparing a place for you? Dang, right? That's going to be good. Like, we, I just, I, we were painting the house, outside of the house the last two days. We've been preparing. <laughs> we're working hard. 2,000 years, he's getting it ready. That's good stuff. He's the master craftsman. He created the world, and he is preparing a place. He took six days to create the world. Do you realize that? And he's been preparing a place for 2,000 years. He is preparing something that you can't even fathom to bless you because he loves you. You've got to understand, God is a gracious God. He's a giver. Why would he even create you if he didn't love you? Why would he make all these promises why would he make everything so beautiful if it wasn't for us? Take level one if you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Take, take OSL. Or, or, <laughs> I'm just messing around. Those of you know what that is. He's preparing this for us. There is a reward in heaven, and none of us could ever fathom.
fathom how amazing this is. And yet, in verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Because of the Word of God, we can see into eternity. We can have a God's eye view, and the Spirit, through the Word, can reveal to us our inheritance, our reward. And that can grip us. See, a decade ago, more than a decade ago, when I was just going through a season of hopelessness and despair and all this pride, and the Lord was trying to say, Dave, it's not about you. He, he, caused, he, he taught me to meditate on, this, on my reward. There is so much in the scriptures about eternity. So much. Why would he tell us these things if we're not to focus our lives upon it, right? So more than a decade ago, I began to meditate on these things. I have been meditating on the, some of the scriptures I'm going to read to you today. Your inheritance. I've been meditating on it for over a decade now. And I remember even when I very, from the very beginning, just started meditating on it, already a hunger in my heart. Already a hope began to rise in my heart. Already I began to realize, this thing's bigger than me. When I began to see what God was doing on the earth, revival, fire, glory of God filling the earth, I started realizing, dude, I'm on the winning team. I can't fail, you know? All that fear and that pride and that self-ambition and all that began to just fall off me because I realized, first of all, it's not about me anyways, you know? Jesus is Lord. He's going to do some great things. I started realizing it's all about Him. But it wasn't just me seeing you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about, revival, here, I began to see the reward that's laid up for us in heaven. And it began to awaken hope in me. It began to strengthen me. And in a season of my life where I felt like God was a million miles away, I had no hope that I would ever change. I was in despair. I mean, emotionally speaking, I was a wreck. I was very tempted to to just kind of give up lots of anxiety. In the midst of that, I set that reward before me. And it filled me with hope. And yet I didn't have a clue. I probably knew like point zero 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 one, you know, one percent of this. In fact, right now today, I'm just going to kind of unload on you a little bit of our reward. And I, I'm, honestly, I'm just going to give you the title of the library. I'm not even, you know what I'm saying? I'm not even going to give you like the chapter. I could talk, I know so little. We're talking about eternity. But the Word of God is like, like a window that we're looking through. You look, you look in the Word and you see like a window into eternity. But it's like all cloudy. We're just looking at this, just a small glimpse. I mean, I probably know like 0001% of, what, of what's there before us. But I'll tell you, just that little bit will grip you forever. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, you're going to say, huh, Dave was right, but way well way short (laughs) i'm just giving you the title i could talk even me i could probably talk hours on this one subject don't worry i won't i could talk hours just on subject and it would just be the title of the library you know a million volume library because the glory that god has prepared for us is massive in fact in ephesians chapter 2 it says that he is going to show his kindness to us in the ages to come ages ages that means like eternity upon eternity on a paternity he's going to keep lavishing grace and kindness and blessing upon us forever that's how big this thing really is all right so just a few things just a few little things that god is going to give to us uh just because he's a good god he loves us and because he rewards faithfulness you know that's the nature of god right those of you who are like no, no, I don't need anything. Don't lie. You want it. He rewards obedience. The Bible makes it very clear. He rewards faithfulness. In fact, it's the part of his nature. Hebrews 11 says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
It's actually part of the core of his being. He's gracious. So the three things I just want to talk about real quick, I'll, I'm going to go through a bunch of scriptures, or if we can put that up there, is number one, our reward is our resurrected bodies. Number two is the restored world, the new heaven and new earth we're going to live in. And number three, God himself. Let me just go through some scriptures and just begin to paint the picture of how big the check in the mail really is. There it is. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you reveal some of these things to us. So let me go through these scriptures. We're going to try to throw it up on the board. You can try to follow me on your Bibles, but most likely you won't be able to. I'm just going to read them, so listen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Listen to this. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was on the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust... We also shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, you're supposed to go, hmm, I don't get that. Because he's talking about something that you don't necessarily have yet. He's talking about the resurrection of our bodies. Jesus didn't die for you just so you could have a ticket to go to heaven. He died for you so you could have an eternal relationship with him. And that you would reign with him and be with him for all eternity. The Bible doesn't say that heaven is our home. The Bible says he's coming here. This is our home. And one of the things that's going to happen when Jesus returns is he is going to resurrect your physical body. And so the Bible describes your physical body like a seed and your resurrected body like the plant, the tree with the fruit. And so if you die before you back, no big deal. You're physically going to die, and when he comes back, boom, you're going to be resurrected. If we're waiting here, like if Jesus comes back before we all uh, die, and he comes back in the next, well, for me, in the next 40 or 50 years, if he comes back, which he very much could, we're just going to be resurrected and, and uh, right then. I mean, our bodies will be physically resurrected right then. But do you hear what he's saying? Listen, we all know what it means to have a body that's sown in corruption. Yeah, yeah, I got the corruption part. We all know what dishonor looks like. We all know what weakness looks like. We all know what natural looks like. We're physical people we have a natural physical body and we understand that because of the fall there's been corruption in our bodies all of the cancer all the messed up cells all of the the pain and the aches in our bodies are because of the fall it's the effects of death and so 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 even right now we understand you know you get older until about early 20s and then i mean you, you like you're at your peak and then we just start you know going downhill you know you hit 30 and then you hit 40 i have i've heard about the 40 once i've hit the 30 once you hit the 40, and then the 50, and then the 60, and you know, and you're just like, the Bible says this is our tent. The Bible describes our, this as a tent, but yet the inheritance of our glorified body will be like a mansion. You know, that's like, that's like, a, like a, little, a little kitty bike, and then one of those like big muscle cars. You know, like, you're going to get this resurrected, glorified body, the Bible says. You say, well, what's that going to be like? It says it's going to be just like Jesus' resurrected body. Now think about this. You know what weakness feels like, right? You know what weakness feels like? You have limits. 
you have limits. I, I, de- I know what weakness is more than some, but <laughs> you know, my, that was a joke, Faust. Give me that one. You're allowed to laugh at me. Um, so we all know what weakness feels like. We know what sickness feels like. We know what weakness feels like. We know what limits feel like. Can you imagine to have no earthly limits? I'm not saying you're going to be God. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Can you imagine no earthly limits? Can you imagine no sickness? No death? No pain? I mean, I don't know if you can hit yourself with the hammer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it like Looney Tunes over here. But what I'm saying is, there is no corruption. You will not grow old. There will be no such thing as age. You will live for eternity. Your body will be glorified. It will be literally saturated with the glory of God. Do you remember Jesus when he rose from the dead? Did he have a physical body or was he like a ghost? He had a physical body, right? And yet he walked through a wall. Did he eat food? Yeah. You know the Bible says we're going to feast in heaven? You're going to feast in heaven. You're going to have a glorified body. But listen to what it says. It, it was sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. How do you have a spiritual body? We, uh, we always think spiritual is ghost. Spiritual is unseen. And yet a body is physical. You will have a spiritual body. What that means is that what happens is when the kingdom comes, he integrates everything. He makes everything whole. And so literally, you're going to have a body that's just like Jesus's. He's been alive for 2,000 years, and he's not any older, right? He is glorified. There is nothing that is impossible to him in, in, that, in that natural sense of human. So there'll be no sickness, there'll be no pain or anything, and you will be who you were created to be. And what's amazing is you can't even imagine how amazing that's going to be. It's the difference between a seed and a plant. The plant doesn't even look like the seed. And yet the essence of that plant is in the seed, Right? And so you're going to still be you. You're still going to have your personality and you're probably still going to have the basics of your looks. And yet God is going to take all of that corruption and all that brokenness out of your personality and out of your, out of your physical body and you are going to be just like Jesus. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Listen to uh, Revelation chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And I will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these, for these are true and faithful. Can you imagine a world without death or pain? All of the things that we think are normal are not normal to God. They're part of the brokenness of this world. But all of the good and the beautiful things. Why do you think human beings long for godly governments? Why do you think people long for healthy relationships? Why do you think people have, for generations, longed for what we call a utopia? Why do, you think, why do you think it's a tragedy when bad things happen on the world? Well, how come we're not just like, eh? How come when tornadoes hit? How come when there's atrocities, we go, ah? Why? Because it's not supposed to be that way. Because we're destined for something greater. Even, even people who don't know the Lord, there's something inside of them. The Bible says that eternity has been written on our hearts. There's something inside of the heart of a human being that everyone knows we were made for something. 
and it's been broken. And yet those of us, we know. And even though it, it seems like, man, I, I can't imagine what it would look like because we, it's not normal to us. And yet I know you can imagine it. You can imagine it. Yeah. Strength and health and vitality and ability that I don't have now. Those of you who are, who are older, you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is amazing, right? Can you imagine being like, take at the peak of your strength and your health, you know, maybe in your teens or your 20s, and then multiply that by a million. <clears throat> a restored world. It's amazing. See, what's going to happen is he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, just like he's going to take your body and make it a spiritual body full of his glory. It's going to be a new thing. It's going to be kind of like the old, but totally new. It's going to be integrated the spirit and the physical. Same thing with the new heaven and new earth. This world will not look like this world. It will be this world. He's going to take this world, this old world will pass away, and he'll cause a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible says in Revelation. A new heaven and a new earth, so that all things will be new. Just like your body will be something of the old, but it will be completely transformed, this physical world will be something of the old, but completely transformed. Will there be trees and plants and animals? Yeah, sure. But it might be completely different but it'll be so better. You'll probably, we'll probably walk around and say, well, this reminds me of something. You know, you know, this reminds me of earth, but not, but better, you know? We'll just be filled with wonder and awe and have the time to enjoy it. Restored world. Listen to some of the things it describes for the restored world. Isaiah 11, verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fat, fatling together. And a little child will lead them. The cat and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Listen, verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The verses right before this, which I didn't read, forgive me, you can read it later, describe Jesus being the Lord, the ruler over all the earth, and leading with his law, with his word, which of course we know his law is the law of love. He will lead the nations with his word. What's interesting is we think of the, the Old Testament Torah, you know you guys think of like the law in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. Uh, we think of that as Oh, man, we can't fulfill that, you know, oh, man. And it's true. The Old Testament law showed us that we can't do God's will and we need a Savior. But what's amazing is that Jesus will actually lead by that law. Not all the burdensome, like, law, you know, rules. Don't think of it like that. By the law of love. But what's amazing is because he's such a brilliant leader, the Bible says that he will actually finish what he started in you and he will heal our waywardness. See, when you have your glorified, resurrected body, first of all, can you imagine there's, 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 no, there's no devil? You're going to get kicked out and thrown into the lake of fire. Can you, do you, we don't even realize how many of our thoughts are influenced by the enemy. Can you imagine a world without confusion, without discouragement? Can you imagine all that fear or anxiety that you struggle with? Gone. Gone. Can you imagine a world? Can you imagine a day? when your whole being is saturated in the glory of God, like the oceans fill the sea. 
It will be the very atmosphere of everything you live in will be His glory. You won't even be thinking like, oh no, will I be provided for? Won't even cross your mind. Can you imagine? Etern- generations will go by and you will not have even a thought that you might not be- have provision. You won't worry about a famine. You won't worry about an unjust government. You won't worry about catastrophes. You won't worry about drought or recession. None of it. Not only that is, since no one will harm or destroy on his holy mountain, you won't fear anyone stealing, lying to you, defrauding you, cheating on you. Every single relationship will operate on the law of love. And what is love? To put others first. So every single human being will be transformed from the inside out to love like Jesus loves and will want to serve his or her neighbor and put them first. Can you imagine every single business dealing where I want to serve you and you want to serve me and everything is a win-win? You say, Dave, that's not possible. It is too possible in the glory of God when Jesus leads and everything is based upon justice and there's no oppression or poverty. In fact, the Torah actually says that one day there will be no poor. See, what we don't understand about the Torah is that one day the Torah will be, is actually prophetic. It will be fulfilled. Remember Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. How did he fulfill it? By dying for your sin, and then his spirit lives inside of you, and he is empowering you to love like he loves. He is teaching you to be like him. And he, the Bible promises, I will heal your waywardness. So that when he returns, he's returning for a glorious bride. He's returning for a church that loves him and loves others. He will sanctify you, the Bible says. He will sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. He who has made this promise is faithful and he will do it. So you're following Christ and we're stumbling along the way, but you don't understand what he's doing in you. He's a great leader. So in the end, in the end, when he's the king, he will rule by the law of love. Not tyranny, not outward rules. He will... He's a teacher. Why do you think Jesus... I mean, he's king. He came to teach, and he came to die and rise, right? He taught us, and then he put his spirit inside of us so we could actually do it. That's exactly what he'll do in heaven. In the new heaven, new earth, he will lead us from the inside out. It's going to be different and better than it is now, but do you realize that's what's happening right now? He's leading you by his spirit. He's teaching you to be like him. And so can you imagine, from the inside, you will willingly love God... That is what he's doing. He, he is creating in us the willingness to be faithful to him and obedient to him. You will want to obey him. You will see things from his perspective and you will love it. And you will want to serve other people. And there will be no stealing or defrauding or cheating or anything. Can you imagine? Every single one of your relationships absolutely healthy, at peace, at rest. You won't worry about anything. Can you imagine the rest? If you had nothing to worry about and no fear and everyone trusted each other, and you're, everything's operating on the law of love, do you realize how at rest you would be? <sighs> Not false sense of security where we live for ourselves, complacency and apathy like we have here, where we hide from reality, but absolutely rest. When you know your king, your dad, will always take care of you, and there is no harm that will ever befall you. You can imagine it, can't you, because you were created for it. You can imagine it because you've tasted and seen that Jesus is a good leader and his way of love is right, isn't it? See, we think, we think this stuff doesn't work. Turn the other cheek. Come on. No, 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 no. It works. When he was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's teaching us his ways, he's teaching us the way of the kingdom. 
He's teaching us what it will look like, and it can look like here if we'll walk in his ways. Micah chapter 4, listen to this. Now it shall come to pass, oh, let me, let me skip some of these. So when he's leading with his law of love, listen. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But everyone, listen, everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, for all people walk... Oh, we need to read verse 5. So, so listen, none will make them afraid. No war, no family feuds, no nations fighting against each other, no two neighbors, no fear. The Bible says perfect love drives out fear. No fear. You will live in an atmosphere of the glory of God with no fear, completely at rest. Did you see that? That he will literally establish justice on the earth. So can you imagine... Everything that he created, restored so that it's not broken anymore, plants and animals and the sea and the ocean and all that stuff, all restored and but taken to another level. Your bodies glorified, taken to a whole other level. But can you imagine, I, I, I told some of you this, I was hanging out at the Arboretum or something like that a couple weeks ago, and I was just observing, I was praying and just walking around meditating and listening to the Lord, and I, and I saw this squirrel fat squirrel eating uh, seeds on the ground, sunflower seeds, just literally just sitting there, I mean, big guy, right, just eating sunflower seeds, and I was literally a foot away from him, I just walked up, and I just was standing there, didn't even flinch, and I looked at him, just eating his sunflower seeds, didn't even move, and I just watched him, and then at my feet was this big, uh, uh, like a little, I mean, it was a big pond, but right there were tons of these beautiful fish eating at like something at the, in the, in the roots, just eating, no worries, no fear. And, you know, and, and you see this like at Disneyland, you know, the birds just know you're not going to hurt them or something, you know, or squirrels. I'm just watching them, and I, and I had been meditating on these things, and I just thought, oh, God, that'd be amazing. I mean, I love birds. I, honestly, I, I do. I don't like, not like to put them in a cage, but I just love birds. I would love to just be able to put out my hand in a bird and just be able to look at it. It always flies away too fast. And I was thinking, dude, I can do that in heaven, just be able to hang out. Maybe my wife will let me have a bunny, you know? See, so I'm just messing. I'm messing. She goes, no bunnies. No, okay. <laughs> I'm being silly. Uh, but I want you to understand, some people think that when you go to heaven, you won't have any relations with people. That's absolutely wrong. There will be business transactions. There will be work. Do you, you see what it said? You will sit under your own vine and your own fig tree. You know why that's a big deal? That means you'll own your own land and cultivate your own land as a, as a part of what you do in, in the new heaven and new earth, and you get to enjoy your own labor. Nobody else taking your money. Nobody else living in debt or in bondage to somebody else. Do, do you realize how big that is to every human being on the earth? I mean, some of you with credit card debt, you're like, whew, praise God. But do you realize that many people in the world, they don't own themselves? For most of the, 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 the world is under that kind of tyranny, and you just free to live your life and enjoy no fear and work your land and sit there and eat some food, you know? And love life and love your family and love your neighbor and enjoy, and everything saturated with the glory of God. His presence always uninterrupted in everything you do. Everything you do. See, you're not going to just sing songs throughout in heaven. Right? When, when Jesus comes back, new heaven, you're not just going to sit there. You're like, holy, 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 for eternity. Now listen, we're going to sing a lot of songs, I'm sure. But that's part of worshiping and glorifying God. 
And you see that in Revelation. But you're not just going to do that. There is something far greater that God has for us. He created us for relationship with Him and for others, to enjoy Him and to work with Him and partner with Him. And that's not ending in heaven. See, God Himself is that reward, both knowing Him and working with Him. In Matthew 25, 21, Jesus says this, uh, regarding this parable, He says, The Master will say to the faithful servant, Well done, good and faithful servant. You who were faithful over a few things... I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See, God has given each assignment on earth, and you are literally preparing for your eternal calling. Your marriage, your, your parenting, your work that you're doing now unto the Lord, your, 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 your praying here on earth, your discipling other people, your reaching out to reach people for Jesus. Whatever you do for the Lord, you're literally preparing for your eternal calling. But... I'm pastoring because God told me this is my assignment here on earth. And I'm preparing for something far greater. And what's crazy is whatever you're doing here on earth, you think about like the Billy Grahams, he's going to enter into heaven and God's going to go, well done, good and faithful servant. If he did what God told him to, we assume he seems to have been faithful, right? Just because somebody looks successful on the outside or looks blessed doesn't always mean that. But with Billy Graham, I think, pretty sure, right? Now I'm just messing around. You look at someone like Billy Graham, faithful, faithful. You know what God's going to go say? Well done, faithful in a few things. That was just a few. That was small. When Jesus says, those who are faithful in the little will be faithful in the much, you know what the much is? Your eternal reward. Whatever God has given you here on earth is just a little thing. And literally what God will give you, I mean, come on. Here's, 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 a, here's a thousand bucks. Take care of that. Then when you're faithful with that thousand bucks, he, here's ten cities. It's like incomparable. You're like faithful with a little bit, and he's like, here, bam, have ten cities, you know? And people ask me, what does that mean? You're gonna rule, we're going to rule with God? We're going to rule with him? Look, we're not God. No. We're going to rule with Jesus. We're going to partner with him. You say, what does that mean? Who are we going to rule over? Not necessarily that dynamic. Remember, even in the beginning of creation, he said, rule the earth, subdue it. The idea is bringing forth life. We will forever bring forth life. We'll ever partner with God to create. I don't mean like as divine. I mean that like technology or cultivating plants or just even loving each other. Honestly, everything we do as human beings was made in the image of God to bring forth life art music what do you think we're doing we're creating we're partnering with god not making something new not making something like out of nothing but partnering with god to bring forth a new sound a new image a new people i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna bake dang that's a good idea actually i'm gonna make the best cookies you know i'm gonna eat them too i'll share them because you know it's a law of love right you gotta share i'll make cookies for you first and then for me because that's a law of love i mean we are going to continue to partner with God and continue to bring blessing to others and continue to extend His kingdom. I don't know what it's going to look like. All I know is that the Scriptures make very, very clear over and over again, you will rule with Jesus. You will partner with Him in those things. And so literally, you'll enter into the joy of your Lord. He will honor you before everyone. He will say, look at that one so often couldn't feel my presence, so often struggled, who so often thought they were a failure, and yet they were faithful to me. He will honor you. You will enter into the joy of your Lord. The Bible says you will stand before him in glory, and it says with exceeding joy uh, in the book of Jude. Exceeding joy. Do you know what that means? You will be deliriously happy. You'll be like, oh, this is awesome. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy and eternal pleasures. The Bible makes it very clear that compared to the eternal weight of glory that you will receive, 
You'll enter into this joy, this pleasure, this strength, this glory, this clarity of thought, this uninterrupted communion and intimacy with God. Did you, did you hear earlier what it said in Revelation 21, that the tabernacle of God will be with men? He will be with us. You don't even need a sun or a moon anymore, the Bible says. The sun and the moon, that was part of the old creation. But yeah, sun, govern the day, moon, govern the night. You won't even need a sun or a moon. I have no idea how that's going to work. So however he does that in his awesome, brilliant physics and, and all that, he's going to figure all that out. And literally, he himself will be the glory, the light that we live by. And it's talking about the fact that you will live constantly in his presence, in intimate communion. It's what you were created for. You were created for intimacy with God. You're struggling with loneliness? You're struggling with brokenness on the inside? Do you realize the Bible says there will be a tree of life in the middle of, the, of it and it will be for the healing of the nations? All that healing that you need, all that brokenness that you long to see whole, all that physical pain you want to see healed, gone. And you will live constantly in intimacy with God. You're longing for intimacy with God. You're longing for intimacy with people. You will have it. See, more than anything else, we get these awesome bodies, we get this great world, but we will have Him. And in that, He will honor us, He will give us His joy, He will give us His peace, He will give us Himself, He will give us His presence. The Bible says that that eternal weight of glory far exceeds this momentary light affliction we go through. Now see, that's not to make light of the pain you feel now, no matter what that pain is, emotional, physical, whatever. It's not to make light of what you're going through. But you have to understand, in comparison... Not a thing. Nothing but a thing. You have to understand. He says, dude, whatever you're going through right now, and I'm talking the worst thing anyone could go through, he says, compared to that glory, he's not saying it's not bad. He's saying compared to that glory, it's like a feather. And this glory, this weight. It would be like a kid. It would be like a kid comparing a kid with a penny to like Warren Buffett or, Bill, or, or like Bill Gates. Not a thing. Penny compared to billions of dollars. And I, I, and I don't just mean physical, you know, monetary. I mean all these blessings. So you'll literally go to heaven. You'll stand before God. He will honor you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll enter into his joy. I mean, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to sing and shout and just rejoice and dance and be all crazy and eat some food and we're just going to enjoy it. And that's going to be what we're going to do a lot. You're, uh, constantly in, in eternity, we're going to go before the Lord and worship. Constantly, we're going to be feasting. I mean, don't think we're not going to have a Sabbath in, in heaven. I mean, does it make sense? I mean, in, in the new heaven, new earth. We're going to enter into these things, right? But, but, but imagine, imagine you will think back to whatever you've been going through and you'll say, <laughs> I think we'll laugh. I think you'll laugh at whatever it was. Again, not, I'm not making light of what you're going through right now. But you will literally, you'll look back and go, <laughs> that was nothing. Because you will be deliriously joyful. You will be deliriously without pain. You'll be like, oh my goodness, I have no pain. You will be so excited. You'll just be like, oh, the joy of God, the pleasures of God. So sad.